ancient of days, we submit our lives to you again this morning. Daddy, we commit the totality of our existence unto your hands. We wave our lives unto you again like a wave offering. How else can we respond to love so precious, so divine? Daddy, we come to you today because you called us. You are our caller, even though you are the calling. You are our blesser, even though you are the blessing itself. Daddy, our hope is in you, even though you are actually our hope. You are our greatest calling on earth. Our utmost desire is to know you, Lord. Our highest ambition is to worship and serve you forever, Lord. Our greatest desire, Lord, is to know you as you have known us. We submit our lives to you again this morning. Take us. Daddy, as we contemplate a few words in your presence, let the Holy Spirit continue to work out in our lives that which is pleasing unto the Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Download the mind of God unto us, Lord. Daddy, we all hide ourselves behind the cross of Calvary. Let only you be heard and seen, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you welcome somebody beside you to church this morning? Hallelujah. You're welcome to church. Amen. Father, we thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. We are grateful. Brethren, it's a privilege for us to share the word this morning. But more than a privilege, is a burden. Because I've found that any time that the Lord gives us such an assignment, in my own life, I've seen that it is to correct something in me first. Primarily, is to correct me. There's something wrong in my life that I always notice that God wants to correct. So many times I don't take this opportunity for granted. And honestly, I thank the Lord that even though we are unworthy and the assignment is daunting, He finds in us a landing pad for His mercy and grace. Hallelujah. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. If you were here during the prophecy, during the prayer session, and during the drama, well, um, maybe you can just start praying, because the Spirit is one. But within the short time we have, three main objectives will occupy us. I'm trusting God to demonstrate the futility and temporality of earthly pleasures and pursuits. In other words, how futile and empty the pleasures of this world and the pursuits of this earth are. Secondly, we hope to demonstrate the finality of eternity. In other words, eternity is final. It is endless time. And finally, we are trusting God to come to a place where we can understand the inevitability of Christ. Christ is inevitable. Whether to the believer or to the unbeliever. You see Christ? He's inescapable. The one with whom we have to do cannot be escaped. Those who escape him on earth will not escape him on judgment. My only prayer is that those who come across me should not meet Christ for the first time at judgment. Amen. If I'm a doctor, 
if I'm a nurse, if I'm a business person, I have a shop in the market, and customers are giving me money, may people who see me not see Christ for the first time at judgment in the name of Jesus. We shall radiate his glory in this life. As you heard in the drama, our topic this morning is pressing onto empty pursuits. And if you observe during our text, can we just turn to that passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 2? Our text is such an intriguing passage of scripture that a man who introduces himself as the preacher wrote. If you read that book properly, you would discover that indeed, these are the words of a preacher. The son of David, that was king in Jerusalem. I looked at the whole book, and I discovered that this man said to analyze human existence. His frame of analysis, however, was the time period between birth and death. So he tried to use his wisdom to assess the outcome of human life. What is the ultimate destination of humanity? But he looked at the time period between when? Between when you are born and when you die. And then if you look at the whole book, for instance, in this chapter 2 where our topic was taken, the word vanity occurred seven times in the translation I'm using. And the phrase, under the sun, occurred also seven times. In the whole book of Ecclesiastes, my translation, under the sun occurred 29 times. And I began to ask myself, what is the outcome of life within the boundaries of this visible world where we live? Another key phrase that if you listen to this passage that came out is myself. So the words I, myself, vanity, under the sun, that are the most frequently occurring themes both in this chapter and in the entire book of Ecclesiastes. Listen to them again. I, myself, vanity, where? Under the sun. Can we say it together? I want to go. I, myself, vanity, under the sun. Let that sink in. Let it sink in. And I began to ask, what does it mean under the sun? What does it mean under the sun? That he toiled under the sun. He studied under the sun. And I found that under the sun, he used it as an expression to describe on earth only. In other words, Within the boundaries of temporal, physical existence. A notable Christian apologist, our brother Ravi Zacharias, he says that under the sun is a Hebrew idiom that means without God. In other words, on earth alone. And you remember from two weeks ago, that scripture we saw, that it says... <laughs> That if on this earth alone we have hope in Christ, what are we? We have all men most miserable. Brethren, without much wasting time, all the pleasures and pursuits on earth alone are futile, are empty, and are temporal. For those of you who are young, it's a good time to hear these things. So that you order your life. So that you order your life. 
Because even now, some adults who are hearing these things, if you look and see that all your efforts before now have yielded you things that exist under the sun alone, hello, you can amend your life even now. Amen? Aha. You can amend your life even, even now. So Solomon, he had riches. He had wealth. I don't know whether any of us here is as rich as Solomon, but I doubt. He's recorded to be one of the richest men that ever lived. The richest king ever in Israel. He said it himself. Is it agriculture you want? The guy said he planted vineyards and filled it with all kinds of trees. He then created a pool. You know, some people love nature. Amen. You love nature. Hallelujah. <laughs> some people, there's an architect, a friend of mine, actually a brother of mine. He makes wonderful designs. But those designs never impress him. When I ask him, what makes you, he said, nature. Solomon was like that, amen. He said he, he created a pool that was flowing into a garden of forest of trees. So that the pool was automatically watering the Such beauty. 14,000 people were fed at his table every blessed day. He had a harem full of women. Of course, we know he had how many wives? 300 wives and 700 concubines and many other daughters that were not in the number. That's 1,000. Hello? Amen. That's 1,000. Amen. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think is responsible for the high rate of suicide in the world today? Do you think it's the pain of pain or is it the pain of pleasure? Think. Do you think it's the emptiness of pain, of suffering? Or the emptiness of pleasure. <laughs> a great novelist, Jack Higgins, he wrote a novel. He's a, one of them is The Ego Has Landed, for those who read such. So after winning all the awards on international TV, they asked him, what is the one thing that you wished you knew as a young man that you know now? You know what he said, without thinking much. He said, I wish I knew then that when you get to the top, that nothing is there. He says, I wish somebody would have told me then that when you get to the top, is what? The place is empty. Brethren, God is bringing us a warning today. I think it was either the first service of the year that our daddy was teaching us on this theme. Part of what he highlighted was the Esau syndrome. I don't know if anybody remembers. Esau. That guy, you remember him? That traded God's eternal treasures for what? For temporary porridge. Think about it. You know, it's so unthinkable that because of porridge jam, think of, just think of porridge jam. <laughs> some people don't even like it. But some like it. Like in my family. Just use your mind and know. Half does not like it. The other half loves porridge jam. The other half likes beans. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So many times when we read about Esau, we criticize him. But do you know that there are some people seated in this church today that are suffering and what they are going through is amenable to prayer and fasting. Yet they have not done it. You are watching your business going down. Aya. And you cannot forfeit breakfast and lunch for one week. You are watching your family going through things. And you cannot forfeit breakfast, lunch and dinner for just seven days. <laughs> it's easy to criticize Esau. But there are challenges in your life that can respond to giving up temporary pleasure. Bro, sister, there are issues you are going through that can respond to fasting. Don't let the devil deceive you. 
Jesus came this morning and was telling us that when he looks at us, everybody is sleeping. Everybody is sleeping. The Bible declares that no man that wore it entangled himself with civilian affairs. Think of all the things that bother us. Are they spiritual things? If I let me ask, how many of you here, your tears of intercession are still flowing? When you get to the place of prayer, you still experience it. Sometimes you are overwhelmed with body. You are just starting weeping. You are not praying for house, not for land, not for car, just for the kingdom of God to be established on earth. When last did it occur? We are sleeping. That's why he said, if my people that are called by my name shall do what? Shall do what? The material possessions we have achieved have quietly insinuated a pride in our hearts that makes us to hate the place of prayer. The little, little materialities around our life have, have lied to us. That's why we are lazy in prayer. May God help me in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, This kind goeth not out except what? By prayer and, and fasting. I don't know the kind you are going through. There are some kinds of things that are only amenable to people who have given up temporary pleasures. And it's not a church doctrine. Amen? I don't know why God is emphasizing prayer and fasting. Maybe it's because God says we are sleeping. Let intercessors wake up. Jesus, there are the seven ways of Jesus. He says, when you give your arms. He says, when you pray, you lock your door. He says, when you go through the waters. One of them is, when you fast. It is not if. It's a scheduled part of the template of being a Christian. You are expected to pray and fast. It's not conditional. Hallelujah. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The Lord wants to set us on fire. God is not interested in placating us or massaging our ego or helping us to pamper whatever cozy corners we find ourselves. God, no, 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 no. God is about eternity. He is not impressed by what you have. No way. You think if an angel comes to earth, he will ride Range Rover. That filthy thing. No way. It's our fallen human eyes that look at those things with admiration. You can't drive it to heaven. Hallelujah. So you see, I began to ask God, God, does it mean you don't want us to have pleasure at all? What of the houses you've given us? What of the jobs you've given us? What of the positions of power you've given us? And the Lord took me to Judges 7. There's no time to read it. Let's just um, note it. Study it later. Judges chapter 7. Where the Lord wanted to take Gideon to war against the Midianites. You know when he called, how many people came? 32,000 warriors came out. God looked at it and said, Kai, these people are too much. These people are too much. You are more than the Midianites. By the time you win them, you vaunt yourself that I did it. I did it. I did it. Amen. Uh, okay, God said, just announce, anybody who is afraid, your heart is doing you somehow. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that video on Facebook, where they compared American soldiers and uh, the soldiers of some other country. The Americans were saluting, jumping out of the plane with joy from, you know, skydiving. So when he got to the other army, they were pushing him out from a small helicopter. He said, no, I'm not going out. <laughs> He said, are you not a courageous? He said, no, I'm not courageous. The officer was telling him that courage is not an emotional thing. You are a courageous. <laughs> Amen. So they announced, if you know that you are here and you are afraid of this war, go back. Guess how many people were afraid? 22,000 soldiers. Two thoughts. They went back. I said, wow. Afraid. I said, okay. God said, well, son, there's still too much. There were remaining 10,000 men. 10,000 unsuspecting men who didn't know what God had in mind. So God told them, okay, 
Gideon, that's still too much. You probably need about 300. Let's do a test. He said, okay, expose them to pleasure. Let's look at how they engage with unrighteous mammon. Because Luke chapter 6, chapter 16, verse 15, from 11 down, it says, if you have been entrusted with unrighteous mammon, and you are unfaithful with it, he said, who will give you eternal treasures? Oh, God says, expose them to unrighteous mammon. Let us see. And they went down to the stream. You know, soldiers who have been standing under the sun, water is like, hey, thank God, there's water. And some of them, the Bible says, some did what? Some knelt down. Some knelt down to drink water. Gulping the thing. Take it easy. When you see water, you're a soldier, my friend. You are working for another kingdom. God say, Gideon, please, be going around. Look for those that will get a small quantity in their hand and quietly lap it up. Call them on their work I need. How do you engage with pleasure? Ibo ocha bute. Ocha half bute. Ocha rakwanacha bute will cover it. Oga chalile no no. Hallelujah. How do you engage with pleasure? Ah. You need to know that the things you have are unrighteous mammon that God is using to test you in order to give you true eternal riches. Hallelujah. The Lord will help us today in the name of Jesus. So, I wrote down that anything that refreshes you without distracting you from or diminishing your final goal in heaven is a legitimate pleasure. Did we understand? So, anything that refreshes you without distracting you from Diminishing your final goal in heaven is a legitimate pleasure. Because I began to ask myself, what does God say about the things he has given us? Should we completely do away with them? He said, no. Engage with them lightly. John Maxwell once said that if I forget the ultimate, I will be what? I will be enslaved. By the immediate. So we must always keep the ultimate in perspective all the time. Many of the pictures God uses in scripture to represent flesh or life. One of them is grass. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can somebody say grass? Tell your neighbor grass. Okay, you can even tell your neighbor all flesh is grass. Hallelujah. The scripture is in Isaiah chapter 40, where the prophet was shouting that he heard a voice. The voice said, cry. He said, what shall I cry? He said, cry, yo, that all flesh is what? Is grass. All flesh is grass. You know what is keeping you alive? It's the breath of God in your nostrils. That's your spirit too. That's all you have. Did you get it by yourself? No. Do you know that animals, goats, cows, fishes, are they breathing? Yes. But did you read that God breathed into them? No. So you think what God breathed into you is oxygen and carbon dioxide? No animals can do that without the breath of God. It's your spirit, my friend. That's the one that will return to the maker. God calls us a vapor. Have you, have you read that? In James. He said, life is like what? A vapor. In Africa, bim, 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 it's all over. Before you know, it vanishes. It disappears into the thin air. God uses terms like a tent. A tabernacle. Alright? He says that our bodies are tents. Apostle Paul says, if my tent that is, is in this world is what? Is destroyed. That I know I have a better one in heaven. 
These are the expressions of temporality, of just fickle existence that God uses to describe everything we do under the earth, under the sun. That's outside God. So I'll need two people that are close to the microphone to find some scriptures for us. The first one is Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 to 12. And the second one is, so I said Revelation 12, verse 11 to 12. And then 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. Revelations 12, 11 to 12, and 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. Revelations chapter 12, 11 to 12. Yes. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Aha. For they did not love their lives, but laid them down for him. Aha. Rejoice, O heaven. Rejoice, O heaven. You citizens of heaven, rejoice. Aha. Be glad. Aha. But woe to you people of the world. But woe to you people that dwell on the earth. Why? For the devil has come down to you in great anger. The devil has come down to you with great anger. Why is he angry? Knowing that he has little time. Because he knows that his time is short. One of the greatest deceits facing young people today is that there's time. Oh yeah, we have time. Amen. Hallelujah. So, James Audu has the credit for the statement. He says, there is a time to be born and a time to die. In between them, there is a chance to live. There is an opportunity, depending on the choices you make. The time is short. The devil has come to us being so angry because he knows that his time is short. A lot of young people think they have time. My brother, my sister, I want to surprise you. You don't. You don't have time. You don't have time at all. Many of you, or many of us, have challenges with our prayer life. And rather than you mending your altar, something tells you, after this exam, I'll start praying well. No, no, no. When I finish, uh, by, in fact, by next month, I'll start. I don't know if you've ever happened, experienced what I'm saying. You have a challenge you're facing in your spiritual life. You say, Kai, no, next week. Some of people, they don't like, they don't read books or read the Bible anymore. They say, Kai, I need a shelf. I need a shelf in this, my room. Once I get my shelf, I know I'll start reading. Some people say, Kai, I need to buy a table and chair. Once I get it, my Bible study life will normalize. Have you ever done that thing? I can tell you who said it. The person that said it to me before. If you want, I can tell you my own name. <laughs> so towards graduation, I began to struggle to pray. My wife, I had met her then, but she also knows. My quiet time became nonsense. It was exam, 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 final MB, final MB. I said, Kai, God, Biko, just help me. Mercy, only why mercy. Mercy, Lord. Once I finish this exam, I will amend my prayer life. I don't know if, if anybody has experienced this thing. So lo and behold, the exam was stretching. Prayer life was still where it was. Exam was stretching. They shifted the exam. I said, Lord, let me just do this thing. Once I finish this final, once I, once I graduate, my prayer life will correct. Lo and behold, brethren, the day we finished the exam, the next day, they brought out lists of those that passed. Um, either the next week or so was swearing in, we were ready to start work. We said, no, please, we've not done clearance. So we went to the administrative campus in Eboy. 
started doing clearance. You don't know places in cars, taking paper from here to here, signing. My prayer life was still hanging. I said, Lord, because when I finish the exam, tell me, what if anything had happened within that period? Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know that's how we finished uh, clearance? We did swearing in. The day after swearing in, we started housemanship. And we picked, you know, by ballot, the department you go to. And I picked O&G. Obstetrics and gynecology. Some people say, hey. So, in Ebony, it's the busiest department. Of course, then, our governor then declared free maternal care. And women, want some nights, will have 13 deliveries. 17 deliveries in teaching hospital. That's how we're doing alternate day call. I didn't go to church for the first six weeks of housemanship. I was on Sunday call. Remember, I had a carryover prayer life from medical school. And I'm developing. By this time, students are now calling me uncle, big uncle. Will you come and preach to us in school? I say, for your mind. For you, you didn't see me. By this time, your level is already going higher. After six weeks, I noticed I was dry. Dry as paper. So one day, I finished Sunday call. I finished Saturday call around 9 a.m. on Sunday. I rushed into the quarters, had my bath, ran to Dominion City in Abakliki, a church nearby. Of course, I came late, so I just sneaked inside. I bent down to pray. Do you know what came out of my mouth? Father, sanctify and bless this food in Jesus' name. I'm telling you honestly. I'm telling you. That's what came out from my mouth. Procrastination will take people to hell. I'm telling you. I said, Father, what? Sanctify and bless this food in Jesus' name. Immediately I prayed it. Tears started coming out of my eye. You see your life. Nezianoge. Food. Young people, there is no time. There is no... Look at that picture briefly. You've probably heard this question before. Somebody asked you, what will you do with your life? Have you heard it before? Have you heard it before? Uh Aha. But what do you see about those bottles? You can observe that the first one is full. You know, actually, I showed this picture in teen church. Daddy was there. (laughs) So I asked one of the teens... Where do you think your life is? He pointed at the third bottle from left. In other words, one, two, three. So I was intrigued. He felt maybe one quarter or one fifth of his life as God. I said, wow, that's a wise heart. So, but the problem is I now called one of the teachers, one of the facilitators. I now told him, teenagers, do you remember that day? I now told him to point which one is his life. The guy now pointed at the first one. That's a teacher in the teen church that he has not even been opened at all. <laughs> the teens burst into laughter. I say, uncle, uncle. But can anybody say for sure the one that is his own? Can you tell for sure? How can you know? That's why David prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days. That we may focus our life on the things that will count in the final analysis. I've decided, you see, anything I cannot present in heaven, anything that cannot contribute to heaven, I need to engage with it carefully. So the real question is, what will you do with the rest of your life? Keyword being rest. In other words, with what is left of this my life, what can I do with it to give God praise? Because your life is going. The devil knows it. Maybe you don't, but the Lord wants to help us this morning in Jesus' name. And maybe you have suffered losses. Maybe you have gone through pain like the apostles. Don't focus on it. Focus on the purpose of what God is bringing you through. 
Maybe you have reached the age of marriage and you have not yet married. Maybe there are some things you deserve and it's not coming your way. You cannot know the future more than God. God is an eternal God. That's why there's this song that says, There is something I know Wherever I go Jesus Christ He never failed me yet. I don't know the kind of suffering you are going through. That is making you turn towards desperation. Admission into university is not all that there is. Apostle Peter did not go to school. There are people who have become professors studying Peter, an illiterate fisherman. James, John, which admission did they get? The world is still reckoning with them. Till when? Till today. Which job do you want to get? And they are telling you do this, do that. Please don't do it. The devil wants to deceive you. It's like the story of a fish and his child. So there's a tiny fingerling. Small fish that was following the mama, the big fish. They were swimming in the ocean. The mother was taking the child on excursion. Showing the child the ocean and the dangers thereof. And they would get to the ocean bed, pick food, eat. Suddenly they came across this beautiful meal. A worm that was shining with some food particles around it. The child said, ah, mommy, I want to eat. He said, no, 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 don't touch it. Attached to that worm, you see, is a metal hook. Attached to that hook is a line. And a stick with somebody, a human being on the boat holding it. The child said, no, mommy. Where is the hook? Where is the line? Not to talk of human being. You just don't want me to enjoy. The mommy said, no, don't touch this type. And they swam to the shore. The mommy said, look at that man eating fish. That is exactly how he caught that fish he's eating. Guess what? The child did not believe. One day, the child was swimming. He had grown. And saw that beautiful worm again. Remember, we are talking about eternal value versus empty pursuits of this life. And said, ah, I remember my mommy told me not to eat. But once I was young, now I'm old. I have still not seen a metal hook with this worm. And the fish kept swimming closer. The worm was just there, innocently waiting. Suddenly, the fish opened its mouth. What happened? And ate the worm. And the hook caught the fish. That was the end. Nobody to live and tell the story. Nobody to recount what happened. It ended up in the same place she was warned against. Be careful of earthly pleasure. They can drag your soul away from God. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Can somebody read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 29 to 31? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 29 to 31. Yes. The important thing to remember is that our remaining time is very short. The important thing to remember is that our remaining time is very what? Is very short. Yes. And so are our opportunities for doing the Lord's work. Our opportunities for doing the Lord's work are also small. For that reason, those who have wives uh-huh. should stay as free as possible for the Lord. Those who have wives, who have children, Take care of those wives, but in your mind, don't hold on to them so tightly. Continue, sir. Happiness or sadness or wealth should not keep anyone from doing God's work. Those who rejoice, they should rejoice. Those who cry, even if you have possessions, 
Don't put your trust in them. Continue, sir. Those infrequent contact with the exciting things the world offers. Those infrequent contact with the exciting things this world offers. Should make good use of their opportunities without stopping to enjoy them. For should the, make good use of the opportunities without stopping to do what? To enjoy them. Continue. For the world in its present form will For soon For the be world gone. that you see in its current form is doing what? Will soon be gone. Will soon be gone. The Bible says it is passing away. This world that we see is passing away. If you read down, <laughs> you hear when Solomon was complaining that after he dies, his whole houses, somebody else, a stranger, will come and inherit it. And it was as if he knew. His own direct son got one and a half tribe. A servant in his house got the other tribes. Jeroboam. He says, what is the use? Do you know that my medical certificate, even my wife cannot practice with it, even if she's my nest of kin. The things you are struggling so hard to leave behind, you won't even be here to know how it goes after now. And if God wants to help your life while you are still alive, before your eyes, they will start decaying. They will start decaying. It's only Jesus Christ that will never fail. Hallelujah. It's only Jesus Christ that will never fail. Any other place you put your trust is sinking sand. Young people, forget job. Job will come. Remain faithful serving the Lord. Do you know that the assignment God gave us is enough work? Just work, oh. Don't believe those that tell you no all day. Amen? Ah. All believers will have one work, reconciliation. You need to start winning souls. And God will lift you. There are some interviews you may have gone for, and God does not want you to get that job. Maybe I have shared this story with the young people. I have gone for an interview that the chairman of the panel, the secretary of the panel, and the person documenting, some of them are members of this church. In one, when I was looking for residency, amen, God taught me, amen. I came in, I saw our mommy of blessed memory, Professor Mrs. Anibwe. I saw Professor Mrs. Onwasigwe, and Professor Noka was the person making the scoring and everything. When I was coming for that interview, you could see my confidence rise. I was almost bouncing in the spirit. <laughs> Father, you have done it again. <laughs> You've lifted me up. My spirit was joyful. My, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. The rating was friendly. So I knew that he bad, he bad, 70. And he's now orals. Oh, Lord. When he came, uh, what is this? He, ah, Jesus. Is, you know, when you are confident in exam, your, the spirit will just be moving. Amen. You know, and I was telling the young people, there's a way to answer questions that you know the answer. If they ask you what you know, don't rush. Take it easy. You should, hey, the examiners are also here, so they're hearing it. <laughs> you should be seen to be thinking about it. This is distinction secret. You know it very well to the last T. You should still do as if you are thinking. Um, prof. Okay, sir, I think we can classify it into gastrointestinal, cardiovascular, blah, blah, and then you start giving it out. And they are saying, ah, ah, we thought this guy was struggling. And then you start bringing it out. Precept of all precepts. And you mentioned up to 50. They say, no, no, no. This one, this one is going. This one is going. I used all those my skills. Amen. Uh, a man of God who say we've toyed all night. <laughs> We used all those skills. Answered. Oh Lord. After it, do you have certificate? Pia. Primary is Pia. Everything. Do you have any other? Oh, Pia. Best student, Pia. This. You have master. Oh, wonderful, Pia. Oh, thank God. Well. So after the interview, you know somebody, you know how news goes now. Somebody met me. Ka, Brivuka, man. Thank God for you. Congratulations. Kai, man, you, you've got the thing, you know. 
I'm telling you, go to your name is they mention the position on the list. Brethren, <laughs> there is one thing I know. Wherever I may go, Jesus Christ, He never fails me yet. That is the only one that can never fail you. People met me, bro. Just go and start celebrating. Go and sew your white and your lab coat. You're starting very soon. I say hallelujah. Bro, two weeks later, you know how Kepu Kepu used to come outside? He used to come outside small by small. They say, oh, the quacker, you will go list. check. I say, no, wahala. I entered vehicle. Went to the place where they're checking it. Checked at me. My good afternoon. Biko, I came to check whether, he said, which department I mentioned. He said, eh, okay. Okay, yes, there are some letters here. There are 12 letters. I said, good. I said, what's your name? I said, He said, okay. Eh, okay. Um, there's no Ugu here, but let me check again. She checked again. He said, what's your first name? I said, Chukwebuka. He said, check. He checked. Um, um, Doctor, there's no Chukwebuka here. I said, okay, check Emmanuel. Emmanuel, you know? Some people can use that in middle name. I check Emmanuel. Um, actually, there's no, there are 12 letters here, but sir, your name is not here, sir. And it dawned on me that I have to now take my fuel by myself and drive back to Enugu and start thank. Do you know, oh Lord. Did I know that God was helping me? Did I know that God had a pathway, even if he has a destination in mind for you? So you need to realize, young people, that even though God has a purpose for your life, he has a plan too. Don't jump to the purpose. It's the pathway to get to it that is the main thing. If you join the world in early pursuits, bro, sister, you will end up where people of the world end up. I'm sorry to announce to you. Jesus is the only one that cannot fail you. Time will fail me to recount all the interesting stories. The places, the interviews I went for, for instance, were 14 in number. Within the five-year validity period of the qualification exam. So, hear, hear it. God has a prize for you, but he has a path, P-A-T-H, for you. You can't compromise the path. You know Abraham, when he finally got to that place that God promised him. Hi, the Bible says he started building tents. Ah, Father Abraham, will you not build an upstairs? Hello, this is the land that God says I'm taking you to a place. He said, no, no, no. It was never about the land. Hebrews tells us that he had actually seen a city that had foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Have you seen that city? If not, you will spend all your muscle pursuing these ones. Have you seen that city? Young man, old man. Jesus is calling you. Maybe you are here, you are already 60 or 65 or even 70. You can decide to spend your remaining years in intercession. Ah. The amount of souls that will redound to your account will be unbeatable. There's no time that is too late to change, to live purposefully. There's a reason why they are called empty pursuits. Because indeed, they are empty. They are empty. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Can we briefly look at the inevitability of Christ? So you discover that there's everlasting, eternal past, and there's what? Eternal future. God has been and God will continue to be. Before the first day of time existed, God has been. So time is just a small interruption of eternity. So from the first day that time existed to the last day there will be time, God will still be there. So there's some disturbing arithmetic about eternity. Let me ask us a question. If you add one year to eternity, what would the answer be? 
Think about it. You add one year to eternity. What's the answer? Okay. So, let's increase. So, add 1,000 years to eternity. What's the answer? So, add 1 million years to eternity. What does it give? Okay, so let's subtract. Subtract one year from eternity. Can they have four? So, you see, friends, as far as eternity is concerned, different durations in time are as insignificant as each other. Do you understand it? They can only know 30 years. Only can know 90 years. You won't even see it as a dot on that map. It won't show. Different spaces of time are equally insignificant in the context of eternity. So you see, when God weighs our life, He's weighing it in the balance of eternity. He doesn't use Naira and Kobo to weigh also. So these are, <laughs> this is baby girl Ellie. The baby girl lived from 1934 to 1934. Just one dash. The guy before lived from 1917 to 19 something. Very long. One dash. That same small dash. That's what we all get. All the activities of man. When you were born, from cradle all the way to the grave. Going to school, making money until you become old. In the context of eternity, the next one, is so insignificant and so short. And yet we'll kill our lives for it. In Luke chapter 16 verse 15, the Bible tells us, those of us that came to the church outreach will remember, that what men celebrate, what society sees and calls monumental, God sees and calls what? Monstrous. So if God weighs all my achievements in the balance of eternity, what will it be? It was said concerning John Wesley that he traveled 450,000 kilometers on horseback preaching. He preached 40,000 sermons. Think about it. 40,000 sermons. When he was 83, he had a health challenge. He wrote in his personal journal. He says that um, I'm angry with my doctor because he will not allow me preach more than 14 times a week. This one is his biography. That his doctor will not allow him to preach more than 14 times a week. At the age of 86, he wrote in his journal, Laziness is gradually creeping into my life. There is an increasing tendency to stay in bed after 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> uh, the Lord will help me in the name of Jesus. Finally, let's open our scriptures to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. I think that's where we'll pray. Colossians chapter 3. 3. From verse 1 to, 1 4. to 4. Since you became alive again, so to speak, uh -huh. when Christ arose from the dead, uh -huh. now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven, uh -huh. where he sits beside God in the place of honor and power. Uh -huh. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Uh -huh. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. Uh -huh. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our real life, comes back again, you will shine with him and share in all his glories. Church, can we rise up to pray this morning? Church, can you begin to talk to God this morning? The word of God has come to all of us. I don't know whether you are among those that God says, even though you are originally a soldier, but you have started sleeping on duty. I don't know if you are among those that God is saying that he's no longer seeing the, the tears of your institution. He says, what's wrong with that, our sister? We used to perceive her incense, but not anymore. 
I don't know whether you have been charmed by the pleasures of this life that end in emptiness. Christ is our life. We should have as much desire in this world as a dead man has. We should set our affections on things above. Church, can you talk to God? It's only you that knows where it pains you. You're still praying for yourself. Whether you are here at the altar or you are in the congregation. Asking the Lord to help you turn to Him. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, and I look at myself and my pursuits, all that charm me most, I count them but loss for the excellency of knowing the Lord Jesus. My richest gain I count but loss, and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, saving the cross of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Have you fallen off your first love? Have you fallen off your watchfulness? The Lord spoke to us and said, You are the army. You are the spiritual soldiers. Arise and awake giants. You are in slumber. You are lazy. I've given you gifts. And where are they? I have laid hands on you. By the laying in of the presbytery, what have you done with them? Where have you dropped them? This is your cry. Pray once more and say, Lord, Father, I return to my first love, my first pursuit. My priority is to gain Christ and to win him and to press on. Every other thing shall be added unto. Let that be your earnest prayer at this moment. I pick up the blessings, pick up the gifts, I pick up the areas of commitment you have told me about, and I walk in them. And as I labor on, Lord, you will also take care of my academic, my business, my professional, my daily needs. The Lord sure knows how to do that. I arise, I awake. Please pray that prayer right now to God. A prayer of commitment. And as you do that, as many of you here who came out to surrender your life to Christ, please just raise your hand where you are. Repeat these words after me. In fullness of confession, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I surrender my life to you. I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my past sins. Come into my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me the power to be your children. And lead me in the path of righteousness all my life long. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, as many as receive you to them, you gave power to be your children. Who were born not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. As these ones surrender their lives to you. Almighty God, let the old things pass away. Let all things become new. Garrison them. Use them to your glory. And Father, may they walk with you. And may they walk as your children. A change that never will turn back to the world again. Thank you. As you lead them on to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.